Welcome back to AR Zone on the issue of intersectionality. Brief interviews ahead of the Pro Intersectionality Vegan Conference being held at VegFest London in October 2016. I'm AR Zone founder Carolyn Bailey, and I'm joined for these special podcasts by Christopher Sebastian. In today's interview, Sebastian and I are very happy to welcome our good friend, Dr. Will Tuttle, as our guest. Will is the author of the number one best-selling book, The World Peace Diet. He's been vegan since 1980 and is a former Dharma master in the Zen Buddhist tradition. Will and his partner, Madeline, who is a Swiss visionary artist, have been traveling full-time since 1995, bringing the message of radical inclusion and peace to humans all over the planet. If he could sum up his message in a simple phrase, it would be respect for all life. Will, thanks for joining us today and welcome back to AR Zone. Oh, thank you, Carolyn and uh, Sebastian. So great to have you both here and to be able to talk about these important ideas. Thank you, Will. You're so welcome, Will. Will, I'm going to start with a rather challenging question. As a person who may not have experienced the intersections of oppression personally, what do you and your work bring to this topic? Great question, yes. Uh, so, you know, as a, as a white male, uh, straight, you know, so forth, I, um, I think it's a great question because intersectionality uh, has been identified, I think, essentially as uh, the study of the way that social justice issues are interconnected, racism and sexism, ableism and heterosexism and so forth. And uh, I think underlying this, uh, of course, the people that originally were exploring these uh, ideas never brought in veganism uh, or abuse of animals, uh, speciesism as part of the uh, equation. And now, as vegans, we're bringing in speciesism as part of the equation. And I think uh, that's really a healthy thing to do. So um, for me, I guess, in a sense, that's my handicap, you know, that I'm a white male and so forth. Uh, however, uh, as a human being or as a being, uh, a sentient being, uh, I am like uh, pretty much, I think, everybody else capable of suffering. And I think I've had my share of suffering uh, at human hands um, through relationships and through and also just uh, the suffering that we just is, is inevitable through illness and and stubbing one's toe and everything else and so uh, I think the the key underlying issues are t- for us as human beings to develop empathy and to uh, develop the capacity to get outside of the, our culture's story the, the official narrative that promotes uh, violence towards others. From my point of view, uh, I, even though I was raised in a relatively sort of white middle class uh, New England uh, upbringing, uh, my mother was extremely adamant uh, that, you know, for example, like uh, people of other races, you know, she always just said, they're just like us. Don't ever think there's any difference. There's no difference. It's like if they have blonde hair, blue eyes, or red hair and brown eyes. I mean, the skin color makes no difference. I always just kind of had that feeling that we're all the same, you know, basically, you know, from my parents. And uh, when I graduated from wait, college... Wait, 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 wait. Everybody, uh, wait. I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page here, that experiencing suffering and experiencing oppression are definitely two distinct and different things. Like, I don't want to, like, you know, I don't want to get into a space where we're talking about people with blonde hair and blue eyes or red hair versus actually living in black or brown skin and experiencing a racialized type of oppression 
versus like, you know, just looking different and definitely like, you know, not follow down a narrative of like, you know, we're, we're all the same, which is distinctly different from when we, when we, when we make statements like we're, we're all the same, that comes across as sounding like a very colorblind ideology, which we already understand to be a very troublesome narrative to follow because like colorblindness actually supports a white supremacist framework that doesn't actually help with racial issues. So, so I, I, I wanted to make sure that we were all on the same page about that before we, you know, before we continue. Great. Because we're not, yeah, no, like, they, you can definitely have a conversation about that too. But like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. but, but I, I definitely want to, like, you know, I, I, I want to make sure that that, that much we're, we're all agreed on. And if we're not, then like, we should talk about it. Right. No, the point I was just simply making at that point was just that my mother, for me as a little kid growing up, just always uh, hammered on this point that whatever our skin colors may be different, that we're all human beings and we share uh, the same essential nature, that we should never, I should never look at someone of a different race as any less than me. You know, that idea that, 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 they're, that we're basically the same. Uh, underneath the whatever skin we're, we have. So that was uh, the point I was making, just that my mother, when I was a kid, was always hammering in that idea. And um, when I left um, college, I remember just diving into um, Asian traditions and living in um, Korean uh, Zen centers with, with Korean people and Tibetan Buddhist centers with Tibetan people and um uh, studying a lot in Indian traditions with lots of Hindus and Jains, Indian people, um, Vietnamese and Japanese also. And I always felt that these cultures were quite superior to the culture that I had been raised in in the sense of having a much more felt experience of relatedness to nature and to themselves. And, of course, this was back in the 1970s and 80s, and there was this whole feeling for me uh, of leaving my culture. I, you know, I left home, I had no money, and I didn't want to you know, have a job or work in the corporate America or anything. I wanted to try to attain a higher state of consciousness uh, and liberate myself from the uh, conditioning of my society. And so for me, there was the, just this yearning to get free of the cultural program uh, that I think really infects and wounds everyone. And so going vegan um, 36 years ago was part of that, and that just kind of propelled the journey onward. And the main thing I would say that I can contribute to this conversation is the practice of the inner work of, you know, doing intensive meditation and uh, questioning the uh, the underlying story of our society that that is injected into all of us by the time you know from the time we're little infants um, eating animal foods I think you know being raised in a society that's based on herding animals this is the point I make in the World Peace Diet and it's really the underlying idea I think in Circles of Compassion too uh, the book that I edited on intersectionality that the uh, wound that we all are inflicted with being raised in this society of uh, of seeing separateness and of domination and oppression of other living beings that we're eating that every day and that that naturally creates a foundation 
for many other types of delusion uh, where we see others as less than or uh, as um, that their suffering is not significant as my suffering is. And uh, being raised in that kind of a society, I think the most, one of the most powerful things to understand is that we really cannot change other people uh, in the sense of, you know, I'm going to find a magic button and just change them. The one person I can change is myself and to just do the best I can to bring my own consciousness into alignment with a, a deeper wisdom that sees uh, the significance of, uh, of suffering and oppression of, of other living beings and to do the best I can to help heal that uh, in myself. And as, uh, to the degree that I can heal that in myself, I think I can make a contribution to helping to heal that in, in our society. And so I'm delighted that there is this evolution that's happening where we're making these connections more and more. The sense I have really is that the vegan movement or the animal liberation movement needs to begin to be seen as a two-step process. There's the sort of outer step, which is going vegan, say, you know, it's saying, okay, I'm not going to eat animal foods anymore, buy products tested on animals or clothes and all that stuff. And that's a wonderful thing, of course, to, to do the best we can to minimize the abuse and suffering we're causing to, uh, to animals. But the second step, I think, is even more important uh, in, in a certain sense, which is to, to begin then to do the inner work to uproot the cultural programs that are still in, that are still in place. So we can be a vegan and still have racist or sexist or whatever homophobic other tendencies that have been planted in us by our society. And from my point of view, veganism is the yearning to live my life as best I can to minimize the suffering and abuse that I'm causing to other living beings. So uh, since uh, human beings are also living beings, we're also animals, uh, it's important to include human beings in the kindness and compassion and respect that we give to, uh, to uh, non-human animals, it's incumbent upon, I think, the, us as vegans to make these efforts and to embody what veganism is as deeply as we possibly can uh, in our daily lives, in the, in the minutiae of daily life, in the, in the words that we're speaking to friends and family and the way we, the gestures that we use, the way we express ourselves, the way we think, the, you know, the underlying attitude that within us at a deep level we're rooting out um, the, this way of seeing that somehow uh, sees others as objects to be in any way used or manipulated or, or uh, impressed or uh, as instruments in, in any way. And that means really, I think, a, a huge inner work. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ongoing practice. And I think our movement has failed uh, so far to really make this point strongly uh, enough. And so that's one of the things I'd like to um, work on myself anyway, is to, is to not only try to live that myself more, but also just to share this idea that I think all, that our movement will become much more successful in um, transforming our society to the degree that we in the movement are actually embodying these uh, values of, of intersectionality in the sense that intersectionality is seeing that uh, we're, you know, all forms of oppression are related. Each one of us is a living 
uh, you know, potential of, of healing uh, all of these within ourselves. There's no one, I don't think, that is free of some kind of um, uh, abusive uh, thoughts and words and attitudes. Whatever my body may be, if I'm in this society, I've got, I've got them. And so it's important for us not to judge others and think we have to change them. But from my point of view, we have to change ourselves, which is always the harder thing to do. But it's, uh, the, I think, the most rewarding. It's the only effective thing, ultimately. I think that it's a, a wonderful time to be alive right now, that we have uh, this, this incredible uh, critical mass, that, you know, critical violence happening. I mean, just, but also, uh, I think there's a, a spiritual or psychological or emotional maturing that's happening so that we're uh, going to be able to, I think, make real progress, hopefully, in the next few years in the positive direction. And I really think vegan living should be, uh, can, you know, and, ve- and people who are vegans should be on the forefront of this, uh, these kinds of changes. Well, I wanted to just briefly touch on one of the things that you were just speaking about. When we do become vegan, but we don't we, we don't go any further than that and, and we continue to have racist attitudes and use sexist language and ableist language. What damage are we doing both to the movement and probably more importantly to the individuals in the movement who are from marginalised groups? How, how much are we hurting those people and the movement? <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah. a lot. It's you know it's it's uh, it's tragic, really. I mean, it's just. The, but the thing is, you know, we're all wounded. I mean, you know, people people who are uh, are doing those things have been abused. You know, we've all been abused from the time we're born in this society. I mean, as soon as we're born, we're slapped around and vaccinated, and who knows what all terrible things happen. We have to compete in a system. We're judged and blamed and criticized. And I know, you know, it's different degrees for different people in different situations, but we're all abused. And uh, the, the abuse takes many forms. I mean, I, I've seen, you know, terrible abuse even in very white, wealthy families that, you know, horrible abuse happens to the kids in those families. But the, the, the point is that we've all been wounded. And so it, it's, it's a huge, unfortunate thing when... Uh, we are not able to deal in a healthy way with our stuff, you know, whether we're vegans or not, especially as vegans, because as vegans, you know, we've made some progress, typically. I mean, we've been able to at least extricate ourselves from the cultural narrative enough to, to not take out our wallets and pay for violence directly. So that's, you know, so we would, ex- you know, people I think would expect that vegans would really have, you know, made progress in these other areas, but it doesn't necessarily follow because we're all compartmentalized. You know, we're raised in a society where we're taught to compartmentalize everything, our feelings and our perceptions and, and to put beings in different compartments. And so it's possible to, to be liberate one set of beings and still have toxic, uh, diluted, violent, uh, abusive, redundant you know, attitudes that have been injected into us by, by the cultural narrative, by parents and, and uh, kids we grew up with, who knows what, still living inside of us. That's why meditation is so important. And um, from my point of view, I mean, I, I've spent thousands of hours sitting, just bringing my mind back to the present moment and seeing how it, how my mind 
wants to repeat a story and actually learning to not let it go there, you know, to, to, to take control of our minds. We have to take control of our minds. If we don't have discipline and if we just allow our minds to go where our culture has, you know, has set them to go, uh, we're going to create, we're, we're not responsible. We're just, we're just basically, uh, allowing robotic thoughts that have been injected into us without our permission from the time we're little kids by a toxic culture to just come through our minds and come out of our lips and come out of our actions. So it's very important to do inner work where we practice not being aware of our, of our men- mental, um, uh, contents and our attitudes and bringing them into alignment with the truth that we are at a deeper level and then through that awakening to the truth that we are which is a freedom uh, and a loving kindness and respect because we see when we get beyond this cultural program that's been injected into us that's causing such devastation to our movement and, and makes us say things and do things that are really counterproductive and judgmental and critical and shaming and all these uh, things that are devastating really to our relationships and to any progress. When we are able uh, through the hard inner work and inner discipline of questioning those uh, thoughts that have been planted in us by our society, uh, then we actually begin to experience freedom and experience the, the sense that what we are is a is an expression of love at a very deep level. That is our true nature. And we begin to allow that expression of love to come pouring through us naturally. And we begin to, it cleanses our vision. We begin to see other beings as beings, uh, worthy of our respect. They're sacred. All manifestations of life are equally sacred and are equally worthy of our respect and kindness. And in order to get to that place, I think we have to do the inner work of quieting our mind and coming home uh, over and over and over and over again, thousands and millions of times, really, uh, and just take control of our thoughts so that they don't lead us down paths that are abusive and violent. And and that allows, creates a foundation uh, where we can then, I think, begin the healing, you know, healing ourselves. And that is really the only way we're going to heal our society, I think, is healing ourselves. So it comes back really to ourselves, to to myself, and so I'm very reticent to you know to blame anybody else. I know we're all wounded, and I'm just doing the best I can to you know to heal the wounds that I've endured. And I think that's that's um, that's you know the, the path that's beckoning us um, if we can if we can follow it. Thanks, Will. No, that was a I was profound just, answer. I um. I suppose, like, you know, as a follow-up to this question, like, you know, other than, like, you know, doing that internal work of, of like, you know, really meditating and, and working on yourself, like, what, what other practical things will, um, do you do in, in order to, like, minimize, um, the amount of violence that is done to other marginalized communities or to, like, dismantle oppressive structures for, for those communities, human and, and other species as well? Well, you know, my work is really um, focused primarily on doing the best I can to spread the vegan message. I think I just think, but I do it in, doing it in a way that connects it consciously 
with all of the various forms of social justice issues to help try to help educate uh, everyone who you know whoever will listen or read or whatever you know what I'm writing and what I'm saying to help us understand that we live in a hurting culture that you know it's organized at its core around dominating exploiting other living beings and out of that mentality we you know we've created a capitalist economic system based on domination and exploitation of animals and nature in each other uh, with a wealthy elite that gets really wealthy on war and violence and oppression and that we're if we're exploiting others you know animals we're being exploited we're we're part we're uh, that that the uh, that the meals that we're eating are injecting us with attitudes um, of privilege and elitism with every bite, essentially of you know just eating the flesh of abused animals, and uh, this disconnectedness and the exclusivism and the domination of the sacred feminine. Uh, that it, really animal agriculture is about essentially dominating female animals, and uh, the importance of of liberating ourselves from this behavior and then from the underlying attitudes that lead to these kinds of behaviors. And uh, so, you know, we just finished up an 11-month lecture tour. I I don't know how many lectures I gave. I'm sure it's over 200. And talked at all kinds of places. I mean, in churches and colleges and universities and yoga studios and, you know, all, all kinds of people. I mean, all all races and all whatever, whoever, you know, comes. And I just love um, being able to work together with local groups. To me, it's really about empowering local grassroots groups. You know, we, I just love going around and, 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 and working together with local grassroots groups that are doing the work in their communities whatever those groups may be. Sometimes they're peace groups, sometimes they're church groups, sometimes they're vegetarian or vegan or environmental groups or student groups, but um, to, you know, to, get, to help them reach their constituencies with this message of radical inclusion to, to, just, um, to just question all forms of exclusivism, you know, excluding others. It it's, it's always causes suffering. It's based on a delusion. And uh, and I always try to encourage people to uh, to question not just the behavior but also the attitudes underlying those behaviors. And uh, I just feel so grateful, really, for this opportunity. Um, the sense I have underneath everything is that you know we just we just have a kind of a short window here. I mean, a human life itself is pretty short anyway. And uh, besides the shortness of our human life, we have perhaps an even shorter window of of time, considering the devastating effects our society is having on our Earth, uh, to bring a message uh, of awakening and kindness and sustainability and freedom. And I, I just love seeing groups. Uh, I mean, people of all you know, all all races and colors and creeds are, I see, are adopting. These ideas, I mean, are open to these ideas. You know, we were in Dubai talking to Muslims. We were in South Africa talking to both white and black and lots of different groups and and as well as all over the United States and Canada. I I just see this universal openness. You know, we're heading off in a couple of weeks to China, Vietnam, and be speaking again uh, over there. And again, an openness to these ideas and to celebrate the underlying uh, commonality that we all have, that this earth is our home. Uh, we're all related, and to get over uh, any kind of uh, culturally imposed delusion of separateness 
and remember the truth that we're here to, to awaken and to bless each other and to bless the world and to find our unique way of contributing to the healing of the situation for the short time that we have here. And uh, it's just, to me, um, just something to, every day to wake up and think, gosh, another, another day to contribute a little bit or to learn something and, and do the best I can. You know, that's, that's all I can do in this, in this body that I have in this time. <laughs> So, yeah, but thank you for these uh, great questions. Will, I'd like to thank you so much for spending your time with us today. I'd also like to thank both you and Madeline sincerely for everything that you both continue to do on behalf of both humans and other animals. I find your work and Madeline's work inspiring, and I think that you guys have changed the world. So thank you. Thank Thank you, you, Carol. Thank you so much. Too and, and everyone. Thank you all for listening. Yeah, see you all.